0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app.
1: Yes, you do. Come and get it. Do you want it? What we want in Washington is an offensive coordinator. We have a coach. He's the GM. So he will make that decision. The one thing he has done and you cannot argue with, he has certainly taken the time to talk to a lot of candidates. Good morning, everybody. It's Russell and Medhurst. We are here 9 to noon every day. If you're new, glad to have you. If you've been with us from day one, God bless you. We love you, and we appreciate you coming back each and every day. Matty Ice is on the other side of the glass. Be nice to him when you call in at 301-230-0980. He will be courteous to you. Mr. Russell, good morning.
2: Good morning, Pedro. Happy Valentine's Day to you and to everyone out there uh, in Loveland. Wow, what an outfit. That my guy who talked about Stephen A. Smith's outfit a lot yesterday, almost as much as I talked about Rihanna's Super Bowl halftime performance when Pete wanted one minute and I gave him six. <laughs> <laughs> well, the
1: the objective in that segment was to try and get both Rihanna and the broadcasters uh, in there know, the same listen, segment.
2: I mean, listen, who do you tune in more for, Paulie or us?
1: I'm sure G from the shop would say (laughs) Pauly.
2: Well, G from the shop would be the only one. My guy. But anyway. The hoop
1: dad. That's what I'm going to call G from the shop from now on, hoop dad.
2: You you posted this on Twitter. I just retweeted it. In case you missed it, I I mean, you really have to know the context. You have to see what what the getup that Stephen A. Smith was wearing yesterday in apparently the desert. I don't know. I, I mean, it didn't look like they were in New York. It certainly looked like they were still in Phoenix, but not at their normal location that they were at all week. I don't know if they had to bust that down or not. I'm not sure. But they had the mountains as a backdrop. It looked like they were literally like Little House on the Prairie, just dropped in the middle of nowhere, and Stephen A. (laughs) was wearing a hoodie underneath a sports jacket. And my guy, Pete Medhurst, loved it and talked about it and put his words... Into action, because now he's got the Valentine's Day red hoodie underneath the black sports jacket. And just in case you haven't seen it on Twitter yet, you, which you should go check it out, at Pete Medhurst, uh, at WrestleMania 621, at Mr. Underscore Me and Me in 93. 93. Just in case you haven't seen it yet, not only did he have the red hoodie underneath for Valentine's Day and the black sports jacket over the top, But he also had the badass black sunglasses and no beanie snow cap. I mean, an unusual look without the cap for Pete, number one, but then accentuated the black and red of his outfit with the badass black sunglasses.
1: Put an earpiece in my ear and I could probably have qualified for a Secret Service agent look there this morning not a
2: bad not a bad comparison since
1: we are in the nation's capital but um yeah I mean I, I really like Stephen A's look yesterday as you know I wear hoodies probably 360 out of the 365 days of the year uh, my wife makes fun of me when I wear a hoodie when it's I wear a hoodie and shorts uh, when it's like 85 or 90 degrees outside she's like you know it's 85 degrees I'm like yeah I know but I used to do that when I worked doing the updates for the junkies because right. my my update booth would be so cold that I could wear it and I didn't have to worry about it. I wore it. So I didn't freeze to death right. uh, in there. And just like this morning, it's, it's pretty cool in here. I'm actually digging uh, the cool temperatures in our studio uh, this oh, morning. It feels good. So, yeah, I mean, so I went with that look, you know, it's kind of a show thing. Glad to have you tuned in uh, this morning. Shout out to the bison of Howard university. Kenny Blakeney's club huge win last night, routed Umes over at bird gymnasium wizards without uh, Kuzma. Uh, just not enough. Uh, Porzingis and Beal did all they could. Team shot 60%. Shot 60%. They lost because the Warriors the Warriors made 20 of 40 three-point shots including Dante DiVincenzo who had 17 off the bench. They played without Steph Curry last night. Now, the news of the day is a new name and a name that we have speculated on on this show for a couple of weeks now about whether or not, if philosophically what Ron has stated publicly was the way they want to play, why wouldn't you interview Greg Roman for your offensive coordinator job? And whoops, just like, I wish I had a V8. Guess who's interviewing for the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator job, Chris? Ding, 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 ding.
2: Three and a half weeks later. How about Greg that? Roman. Hey, step right up. Hey, Greg, it's Ron Rivera. I got, now that I've got my golfing done and i does got doesn't Super talk Bowl like tour, maybe we can schedule a little lunch there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how Ron talks. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's not how Ron talks. I mean, I don't
1: know. Maybe that's, a, I don't know if Ron's got a, Uh, You know, a special assistant to the head coach that talks like that or something. But that's not how Coach Rivera talks.
2: I mean, he's got a little bit
1: of a twang to him. He's from Cal Berkeley. There's no twang in Cal Berkeley. He's got a little bit of a weirdest twang to him. Um, We speculated because it made too much sense at the time based on the philosophy Ron talked about. However, it does make a lot of sense, Chris. And this is what I'll say. Whether they, whether they, whether Eric Bieniemy interviews with them or not, and obviously they put in the request yesterday morning, as uh, John Keim uh, reported. So they put in that request. Whether that interview takes place or not, the one thing I will say for Ron Rivera is he has interviewed a plethora of candidates for this position. It's not like he just centered in on you know Ken Zampezi or Pat Shermer early in the process. Um, you know, did the courtesy thing and interviewed a couple of minority candidates. But we're going to go with Shermer or or Zampezi and get it over with. No, he has done, I think, as an exhaustive search, as you can, under the circumstances, for the amount of people that have been interviewed. And I think there is a lot to like about some of the guys on the list. Now, if they default back to Zampezi or Shermer because the other guys – didn't want to take the job, I certainly understand how you get to that point. But ultimately, you can't blame him for the conversations that he had, especially if he can lure enemy in for a conversation at least. That's a pretty extensive list and a pretty wide array, Chris, of candidates that he will have talked to for this position.
2: I was disappointed by the size of the list early on. With the Bienn with the Bienemy heavy interest and presumably still a meeting to come, presumably based on all reporting, and with Roman interviewing today, I no longer can say it was or it is too closed of a search because I did, as you know, I did feel that way last week, and I don't apologize for feeling that way. I mean, they fired Scott Turner two days after the season ended. The season ended on January eighth. It, we're now February fourteenth, and they had interviewed what six guys, I think, up until today. I think it was six guys, right? And 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 now and now, Roland,
1: Thomas Brown, Shermer, Zampezi—that's at least five. Oh, Anthony Lind, who right, they did while he was right. out, so that's six. Yeah, so six.
2: I thought six was a small group. If you were going to take this amount of time, I did. Now that we add Roman to the mix, and presuming that they do get a meeting with the enemy, that's eight. Listen, even me, while not trying to be a jerk, I would say, all right, you want to... I mean, I would do 10. I would interview Cliff Kingsbury. I would interview Shea Tierney. I would interview Todd Munkin. That's what I would do. I would interview anyone... In there, but Santa Claus for this position to get some ideas, to steal some concepts, to get some visions of a new modern age offense. Why would you stop right there? Stop
1: right there. I would argue, though, with you based on based on the even remote, even if they stay remotely close to what Ron is, Kingsbury offers you nothing remotely close to what you are. I understand that what they're philosophically talking about.
2: I understand that, but we all know that they are not going to run the ball two to one. I understand that, but they're not going to pass the ball two to one either. No, they're not. But Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, I think if you – now, look, would it be a good fit? No, but maybe you could steal a concept or two from him.
1: Maybe you could – I'm not saying Cliff Kingsbury conceptually couldn't work with a quarterback like Sam Howell because I think Sam Howell Howell presents a tool chest – that offers you, you to, flexibility yeah. and versatility. I agree. I think he, I think he's the type of quarterback because of the arm, Chris. Mm-hmm. I believe he can work with just about any yeah. type of offensive coordinator, but philosophically, Kingsbury doesn't make sense compared to what the coach has openly stated on record Understood. closer to the I way they want to play. I don't
2: think it would be a great fit either, but Schematically or personality, I I will say this, though. I was surprised, ultimately, how sour Cliff Kingsbury turned on Kyler Murray. And that impressed me because Kyler Murray is a baby in diapers who plays his little video games constantly and thinks he can just snap his finger and show up and be a top-flight quarterback. And Cliff Kingsbury, who's got an unbelievably gorgeous girlfriend. I'm sorry, that's going to get me in trouble with Pauly, who apparently is like, you know, uh, Pauly. Um, you know, even though Cliff Kingsbury walks around like like Mr. Cool, Joe Cool, you know, like, like he can't be bothered. I do I, – I was surprised by how – I guess from people that I talked to, and from what I've read, and things that I observed, how much more I guess intense Cliff Kingsbury was. Like I always pictured him to be this Hollywood, you know, sunglasses, you know, kind I'm of really... like a, kind of like Sean McVay light. Yeah, but but Sean. I mean, I knew Sean was not going to be like that because I knew Sean. Mm -hmm. You you know what I'm saying? I knew he was going to be a football dynamo. I had very little expectation for Cliff Kingsbury. Not that he didn't do a good job at at one point at Texas Tech, but, I mean, the way he went from, what, Texas Tech, kind of struggled there as the head coach, then went to USC as the offensive coordinator, and then 20 days later, shocker, he gets hired by the Arizona Cardinals as their head coach. uh, And he just presents this image of... I'm hot, you're not, bleep you, and whatever. And if you believe everything that you hear and read and see, he really, really got after Kyler Murray and had major issues with Kyler Murray. And to that, I tip my cap and I say, Cliff, even though you're not my style, I appreciate, I appreciate the fact that you were willing to create such a divide to get that guy woken up, to get that guy to tap into what he's got. I appreciate that you were willing to do that. So again, Clip Kingsbury is not my guy. Greg Roman's definitely more my guy. Uh, Eric Biennemi is kind of a cross between everybody, I think. You always wonder why, again, things have not gone right for him and there's a lot of there's a lot of baggage if if you will there um, but to me I would still interview Kingsbury I would still interview Todd Munkin what? I would still interview Byron Leftwich, even though they struggled to run the ball in Tampa you can interview guys it doesn't cost any well I mean it costs whatever it costs them to get them up here or to get them to meet you whatever it doesn't cost you anything to sit down and get more ideas, more concepts, more visions, more evaluations, more football. Hey, you know, Ron, did you ever think of doing this? You know, did you see how the enemy dialed? See, we do this in practice all the time. We just we just don't call it a lot during the game. Maybe you missed this uh, over our 1,000 snaps. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That type of thing. So,
1: All right, and let me ask you this. Obviously, what has occurred in Baltimore and for the longest time, when healthy, there were no issues with the Ravens' offense, right. okay? Fans were ecstatic about the way they were performing while healthy when Lamar was there and they were he was winning an MVP. Greg Roman coached an MVP at the quarterback position. In his second season. Okay. Is it Greg Roman's fault and John Harbaugh's fault that... They've had a combination of poor drafting and bad luck at the wide receiver position that has really kept Lamar from reaching his total potential as a passer on that end of his game. Because, again, it looked like in short increments last year, Rashad Bateman, who had a terrific career at Minnesota, was going to be that guy. Except, wait a minute. Baltimore has become the Bermuda triangle mm. of wide receiver play in the National Football League, mm. either via injury or guys that don't pan out. Because you think Washington has burned through some guys like Doxon and how the Eagles burned through Rager. By the way, back-to-back TCU guys, which means if you're a Quentin Johnson fan, mm. you're you're holding your breath. Mm-hmm. Okay? Obviously different coach this time around, but you're holding your breath if you use a first round pick on Quentin Johnson based on the past flameouts of number one picks out of TCU. Well,
2: aren't you doing that if you draft CJ Stroud too? Uh in a I mean,
1: in, a, in a smaller State way, yes. See? In a smaller way, yes. But I believe this particular quarterback has a more polished I agree. toolbox coming into the national football. League. I agree. Okay. But a- again. Look at – it's uncanny, Chris, uncanny how wide receiver play there has been an issue, though Hollywood Brown caught 257 balls this year for Arizona with a chaotic quarterback situation.
2: And he caught ninety-five. 5 and I think it was 1100 or roughly thereabouts in his final year yes. in Baltimore. It's Correct. not like they never threw to the receiver. Correct. I mean part of it was again Lamar Jackson breaking down the last 2 years and missing a dozen games combined and all in December and January. And then part of it quite honestly, like Baltimore Ravens fans who were furious at me over the summer when I started talking about this whole situation with Roman and Lamar Jackson and just saying Lamar Jackson was not a on the ascent passer, and here's why, da 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 and I don't want to relitigate all that. I was right. They were wrong. Lamar Jackson got off to a hot start this year, then started to struggle as things started to fall apart around him, offensive line receivers, what have you, and then he got hurt himself. Again, it's a combination of reasons why the Ravens' offense has been inconsistent over the last two years. But to your point, Greg Roman did help develop an offense, did help develop a scheme, did engineer – Again, for whatever it's worth, Lamar Jackson's ascent into an MVP player and a dynamic weapon. Now, that's not to say Sam Howell is the same, but could you do something similar with Sam Howell, who might be a better passer than Lamar Jackson, ultimately? Yeah, I think you can. All right, here's here are, the, here
1: are some of the important numbers along the way. As an offensive coordinator, in terms of rushing offense, in terms of yardage, the worst Any of his teams have ever been in rushing yardage. was his very first year in San Francisco. They were eighth overall in rushing. Since then, his rushing offenses have never been worse than fourth. Fourth, third, fourth. Number one, number one, number one, number one, third, and second. Okay? Now, here's the other end of the spectrum. Passing yardage. Mm -hmm. 29th, 23rd, 30th, 30th, 28th, 30th, 27th, 32nd. 13th, 28th. And the other scary thing is the first three years, his passing offenses were number one, three consecutive years in interceptions. Okay. So,
2: so the quarterbacks <laughs> that he's had to work with are Alex Smith,
1: Smith, Colin Kaepernick.
2: Kaepernick. Uh, it Buffalo. was a Jumbo-I am Buffalo. I don't remember. It was a mixed bag exactly, over two seasons there. Right. And then ultimately – Lamar Jackson, right? Which ironically enough, ironically enough, um,
1: you know, the last two years, twenty-seventh and fifteenth in that category. Right.
2: Would you would you identify, would you say that Greg Roman has worked with a lot of premier accomplished passers, like pure or not never mind premier accomplished, that's unfair. Pure passers. Um Outside, outside of maybe the
1: fifteen, it was Tyrod Taylor, right? Not a pure passer who completed sixty-three percent of his
2: passes. Would you identify Tyrod Taylor as a pure passer? I wouldn't, right? I mean, he's he's fine, but he's not a pure passer, is he? I would say he's the closest guy. Okay, that's fair. I mean,
1: Smith was. I mean, Smith Smith was
2: Could. But, I mean, he had a lot of mobility to his game before the injury. Every
1: guy he's worked with has had that.
2: Right. And, and, and that's the one thing that I wonder-slash-say is that how much of Greg Roman's passing yardage, passing game numbers from that prism have been shaped by the fact that he's had quarterbacks that not couldn't pass, but, Pete, their strength was— breaking teams down. Taylor ran
1: for 500 yards both of those years and remember in 16 at least Buffalo had uh LaShawn McCoy as their lead back uh in that situation and in 15 yeah it was McCoy both years so that certainly helps your quarterback when you have a guy like LaShawn McCoy was in his prime and doing good things uh, at that point so um I think I think Sam Howell in terms of passing and as I said, the the concept the concepts that you put out there, um Lamar Lamar in college, dude, I told you, I mean, it, it's not like he's just throwing dump offs. It's not like he was uh, you know, Dwayne and uh, Cardale Jones throwing uh, oh, crossing routes to Paris Campbell, who then turns it up the field like Tyreek Hill I and agree. goes 70 yards. I mean, mm-hmm. Lamar was definitely, Lamar was throwing the ball down the field at Louisville. Um,
2: I, I think, again... Which is you, part of what led to his inconsistency, which is part of what if, if led to him being a... Have, if
1: you don't have the
2: consistency
1: in terms of a downfield threat mm-hmm. and... Mark Andrews is your only, you know, really consistent guy outside of the year that Hollywood Brown gave them last year because you get 95 catches, 95 catches. Um, So, you know, it really limits the amount of passing concepts that you can put together if you don't trust the other dudes uh, that are running routes out there. And and that's a fact. That's a fact in in Baltimore that the depth at that position has really hampered uh, you know, really con- complex passing concepts. You can't do it if you don't have the people. So yeah, that would be the one thing that if you hand him, you know, the types of receivers that you have here in Washington and the running back. And think about this, Chris, think about this. What could an Eric B. or or Greg Roman do with a weapon like Antonio Gibson? I mean, you talk about a guy that, I mean, you put out, you put him out in the slot you can, you know, put him in these jet sweep situations. I mean, there's a lot that you could do with a weapon like Antonio Gibson. I would love to see those one of those two guys be put in a position to have these types of weapons because when you think about wide receivers, running backs, and quarterback toolbox, this might be the best, could be the best situation certainly that Greg Roman has ever been in in terms of totality. Bienemis had, I mean, look, Bienemis worked with Patrick right. Mahomes. I mean, that's right. the that's the penthouse. Okay. But in terms of the rest of those weapons, in I terms agree. of totality, I, that's I, that might even be deeper than what Kansas City had to work I th- with.
2: I think for Roman, this like like there are people that always ask why would Eric Bieniemy come here. I think it's a fair question, honestly. For Greg Roman, even though he's been successful, the answer to why would he come here is because this might be the best opportunity he's ever had in totality.
1: Yeah, I mean you got a, you got a young quarterback who you can mold who yeah. doesn't have any bad NFL habits that have developed yet yeah. and you have a chance to build that mold piece of clay from the ground up with a toolbox full of receivers and running backs it certainly would be intriguing let's talk about it at 301-230-0980 commanders plan to talk to Greg Roman an interview request in for Eric Bieniemy. Ron certainly doing the due diligence we're talking about it this morning right here on the team 980 streaming live for free on the Odyssey app Greg Roman, the numbers are what they are. You want a great rushing offense, Greg Roman's going to provide that. Whatever the reasons have been, by the way, number one in passing touchdowns during that MVP year for Lamar in 2019. So here's what I'm more interested in. I'm more interested in a season like that, Chris, because that was an efficient season from Lamar Jackson. I don't need my quarterback to throw for 5,000 yards. I just don't want him to be number one in interceptions. But I need to be efficient in the passing game. And if Greg Roman could somehow replicate what they pulled off in 2019 uh, in in Baltimore, then, you know, I'm all for that. I mean, Lamar completed 66% of his passes. He threw 36 touchdowns, Chris. Only six interceptions. That's a 1.5% interception rate because... You know he threw for thirty one hundred yards, but right. he threw for thirty six touchdowns. I believe a touchdowns. lot of
2: those, though, were and 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 this is you know, I don't have the actual data to back up. I've looked at it once a while ago in the red zone. Mm-hmm. You know, therefore, you isn't York, that where you need to be the most efficient
1: though, because yeah, you ab- want touchdowns well, instead of field goals.
2: Absolutely. So so, I, I think that's one huge. And and where do most quarterbacks struggle?
1: When the field gets uh, smaller.
2: In the red zone, right? Uh, I mean, if you look at Kirk Cousins, quite honestly, I mean, Kirk struggles more inside the red zone.
1: But to counter, okay, to counter, 47-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Brown, 83-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Brown, 33-yard touchdown pass to Willie Sneed, 27-yard pass to Mark Andrews, 50-yard pass to Willie Sneed, 20... Let's see. That's five. Looking for more... Uh, let's see. So you know, twenty-five, what is that, five
2: out of his 36? 25
1: twenty-five-yard touchdown pass, okay, six. Uh, let's see here. I'm
2: not saying that all of them came in the red.
1: Sixty-one-yard pass. All right, seven. Twenty-four-yard pass. Thirty-three-yard pass. Thirty-nine-yard pass. Eighty-three. Eleven. Yard pass? Oh no, that's the different one on the bottom. So that's what 10? 10
2: out of thirty-six in the red zone. So I mean, uh, out of the red zone. So I, I mean, the numbers are a little bit more. It's still twenty-six I in the guess, red zone. I guess even than I that I remembered, but mm-hmm. twenty-six to ten. I'm I, and look up until two years ago in that snow playoff game in Buffalo on a Saturday night, he had never thrown, never thrown a red zone interception. Like his numbers were like. 46 touchdowns in the red zone to no interceptions. And then he threw that red zone interception.
1: It tells you conceptually, though, things are delicious inside the red zone. Well,
2: they're delicious, yes. But here's my question. Are they delicious because teams are paranoid, scared to death? of Lamar's ability to break them down, just like they are Jalen Hurts, sure. just like they are – Doesn't Sam you know, Howell present, yes. even though he's
1: not maybe straight-line runner, speed of Lamar Jackson? Absolutely. But Sam Howell can boogie from the pocket. Well,
2: look, he look, he had the nine-yard rushing touchdown on a nice move and bounced off of a guy against Dallas in his one start. Uh, Doesn't in the he, preseason, he had, okay. what, three rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. I want to say?
1: Doesn't he put you in the same situation – what I thought was so interesting about what Kansas City did with Nick Bolton on Sunday, mm-hmm. and what San Francisco did in the previous week, San Francisco had Warner and Greenlaw dropping. Kansas City Spagnuolo played his linebackers coming downhill mm-hmm. and forcing Hertz to make an early decision a lot of times as to whether to flee the pocket. Or how he could extend the play. And it created a touchdown defensively for them mm-hmm. by doing that. Because there was a there was a cavalry mm-hmm. of Chiefs right there in Hertz's face when he dropped the ball, mm-hmm. and Bolton's able to pick it up and run for the touchdown. Sam Howell is mobile enough that he puts the defense in a mode where you do have to account for him. And that then opens things up with the right concepts Mm -hmm. for your skill people Mm -hmm. in the red zone. So there's precedent. We've seen it, obviously, with Greg Roman's offense that you stand to gain efficiency-wise scoring more touchdowns in the red zone, uh, potentially, than kicking field goals. And the last time I checked, six was greater than three because extra points in the NFL are no longer guaranteed. So I'll take six over three still, though, any time.
2: Well, and and also, again, just the M... (laughs) Emphasis might be wrong, but Greg Roman obviously likes to run the ball with more than just the quarterback. So you would think if you had Brian you Robinson. You three awesome op
1: four, right. you have four awesome but options here would if you really think
2: win. Here, if you have Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, if they're healthy, and then either Jonathan Williams or name your.
1: I mean, Jared Patterson, if you have him Whatever. back again, as your fourth I, I, guy, you what, could do a lot worse than yeah. having those four guys in your running back room.
2: Exactly. So I, I think, you know, um, I, I think that's something you also have to, you know, keep in mind. I'm trying to find it right now. I saw it last night and I saved it. So I'm just trying to pull it up just so I give you the right uh, the right numbers. All right. Here it is. Um and this is from uh, Sports Information Solutions Football, who does heavy analytics. Uh, really good site, uh, you know, SIS underscore foot. Uh, I'm sorry, at football at underscore SIS. And I get their guide and all that. It, it's really good, uh, especially for the draft. Since 2018, Kansas City is third in jet motion targets. Jet motion targets, right? We talked about the two touchdowns that we saw and how they flip them, and Mm -hmm. even though they weren't full jet motion, they were jet motion to begin, so I guess they call that a jet motion target. Since 2008, Kansas City's third in jet motion targets. The top two teams, you want to guess who it is? In jet motion targets? Jet motion targets, where they're targeting a guy who's running some variation of jet motion, either across the line, or like Kansas City dialed up those two to Sky Moore and... um,
1: well, based on Canary's philosophy, Tony. I'll guess Baltimore is one or two.
2: Correct. I mean that's I mean that's the big one. That's what I was shooting. The Rams are the other one. Which yeah, Sean, Sha-
1: Sean does a lot of creativity, so, so that they, makes sense.
2: They run it twice as often. Kansas City. I'm sorry, uh, the Rams and the Ravens, according to SIS, run it twice as often as Kansas City. And yet can and this is since 2018. So this is the Greg Roman era in Baltimore. Kansas City is third. But the Rams and the Ravens under McVay and subsequently under Roman run it twice as often as Kansas City does for the one and two spot. So again, maybe that doesn't tell you anything, but it tells you that when they line up To pass short yardage they're not just saying oh we're gonna throw a fade oh we're gonna just try and you know win a one-on-one matchup we're gonna try and do a little eye candy but also you know why that works why that helps it's because if you run the ball well then you start incorporating all of that the defense has again even less of an idea of what's coming because if you run the ball well they don't know what's coming run pass what have you it's it's harder to zero in on your tendencies you would agree with that right mm-hmm. if you run the ball well and then you can run pass or pass with a twist or even run with a twist what I'm calling again the jet sure. motion eye candy whatever now you have you're presenting four options. To the defense in compressed space. So to me,
1: especially with like a guy like Samuel, because Samuel and I mean, yes. you could even do it. I mean, you can do you could, it with Terry and Dotson yes. as well. You could do those it with guys Antonio could be Gibson. runner or yes. receiver on that play. Correct. And the other thing, and again, I go back to that nineteen season that they had where Lamar was the MVP and he ran for twelve hundred yards. But it wasn't just him. Mark Ingram ran for a thousand, and Gus Edwards is the backup ran for right. seven hundred and eleven. Yeah. both guys averaged. Five yards plus yep. per carry. Yep. So, so again, conceptually, you have to execute. Obviously, and there's no way Sam Howell's anywhere near uh, the talent rent district that Lamar was in that season. That I mean, it, it, you can't even tell what that would be. The other thing you got to get done then is the offensive line, uh, which is going to have to be a, a primary focus. Right. If you if you hire Greg Roman or Eric Bieniemy. Uh, Eric, who certainly shows a lot of creativity. Look at what I loved the other night, split backs, offset uh, split. Mm -hmm. Uh, McKinnon inside handoff uh, from almost like a Navy-like slot position Mm -hmm. coming back against the grain Mm -hmm. uh, on a a good running play. There's a lot of creativity to what Eric does in his running game, even though in terms of total carries they may not run it as much as everybody else. There's still a lot of creativity in that running offense. Your offensive line's got to be upgraded. Your, your offensive line has got to be good for you to execute anything remotely close to what these concepts can present for your offense. All right, so
2: there's two things on that that I want to present after the timeout and the trending, and then one thing on Roman. If if you just give me the, you know, just the ability, I will to give you, you the together. floor.
1: That's what you want. I'll give you the floor. Yes, we hope that
2: the by, Matt Lafleur.
1: We we hope that by getting Roman or the enemy on the floor helps raise the ceiling here in D.C. 301-230-0980. The big fella has got to look at what's trending. Here's what's trending on the Team 980.
2: All right, indeed. So, former Ravens, 49ers, and Bills offensive coordinator Greg Roman set to interview with Ron Rivera and the Commanders. He becomes the seventh known candidate to interview. Uh, We've been talking about that since the start of the show. If you missed any of our opening thoughts and we have more and your calls and your reaction. How about a little Eric Biennemi versus Greg Roman decision? Hmm, you might have to make that. Still no official word on when Biennemi will meet with Rivera. Although the team reached out yesterday, it appears that the Arizona Cardinals are moving towards Jonathan Gagnon, the Eagles' defensive coordinator. He stayed in town after the Super Bowl loss and disappointing performance for the Birds in the big game to interview with Arizona and their new GM, Monty Ossenfort. Meanwhile, the Colts have officially named Shane Steichen, their new head coach. He was the Eagles' offensive coordinator. And the Capitals back home tonight. After a bad loss on Sunday to San Jose, hopefully a much better effort on tap, and they'll need it against the Carolina Hurricanes. First of two this week, including the outdoor game Saturday night, this one at Capital One Arena, 645. The coverage, Sean Walton and friends, 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey App, and that's what's trending.
1: Ron Rivera doing his due diligence. Would have been easy for him really would have been easy for him after he had interviewed maybe Charles London Shermer Zampezi. he could have he could have made his higher then mm. he hasn't done
2: that That a boy Ron you think he hasn't. plays a little Luke Bryant when uh when Greg Roman walks into the I don't know maybe God uh, tries to get him to Stapleton shake. Tries to get him to shake his ass a little bit. Shake it for me, girl. Girl, shake it for me. I was going to say, it's girl, shake it
1: for me. I'm not sure if Ron wants Greg Roman (laughs) to shake it for him. By the way, stunning revelation, Greg Roman younger than me, uh, which is good. Um, I'm excited about it.
2: 50. So he's slightly older than me, slightly younger than you. Yeah. So good for Greg. We are the people show, the AARP show of, of 9 '98. But you know
1: what, though? He's stressed. He, he does look like he's got the stress of an NFL coach on him. I do believe being an NFL coach, <laughs> I believe an NFL coach takes days off of your life. I'm not saying it's oh, going to take years off no, of your life,
2: but. There is no doubt.
1: Dude, the hours, the stress. I mean, you know.
2: Listen, I, think about it. Do you think Sean McVay is thinking about retiring? Just because he's got a beautiful wife and I presume they want to start a family and, you know, because he's one of, no, it's because he's work, been working 110 hours a week mm-hmm. for as long as I've known him, which is 2010. And he was doing it before that under Jay and with Has in the, uh, or under, I guess it was under Has. With Jay, I, I can't remember the whole deal in the U.S. in the UFL or whatever the hell it was, and then they were together in Tampa. I mean, you know, Sean's been working 110 hours a week, or you know, somewhere close to that, you know, since 2008. Let me let me introduce a that question. wears you
1: out before you before you hit the floor with yeah. uh, your what the point wanted you to, wanted to make. Yeah. Is there any element to this where Ron has to make a splashy OC hire? Because he knows a sale is imminent, and he wants a new owner to understand that Ron is very serious about winning this year. Yeah. And the higher-profile guy, like a Biennemi or a Roman, trumps a Shermer, Zampezi, uh, or even a first-time uh, OC in that situation.
2: Yes. I mean, I, I mean, how could Ron, who is very media-savvy, how could Ron ignore... All of the rumors and all of the speculation that Sean Payton has been, like, pumping. <laughs> Sean, has, Sean has been a... Uh, I mean,
1: Sean... A, Sean has been a... Just a, a a bucket of information. I mean,
2: Sean is leaking oil like an engine that's seized on the highway, man. I You know, like, I mean, he's setting Rex Ryan up. He's, uh, you know, Colin Cowherd. But apparently, some of it was true. We're going to get to that. Uh, Greg Roman... Again, um, I, I kind of forgot the points that I wanted to make. Uh, of course, I should have wrote them down, but forgive me. Greg Roman, he, here's, here's what I'll I'll, I'll like bow tie it with. Gave you that number about the Jet passing game. Greg Roman is more known as a running coordinator, so that's why as soon as he stepped aside from Baltimore, and people thought he might have gotten fired anyway. I mean, it was a mutual party, whatever, that he was going to get fired. People identify him, again, as purely a running or mostly a running coordinate. I think you disputed correctly a bunch of that. If you watch that Baltimore offense, he throws to the tight end a lot. He throws to the running backs a lot. And then he stretches the field vertically, like he did with Mark, like uh, Hollywood Brown. Was it? Hollywood Brown, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I thinking of another no. play? Right. They were able to get the ball down for right. Brown. Um, and listen, while it wasn't maybe to everyone's liking that he preferred a shorter, kind of system- systematic passing game, it was very effective. How many times did teams shut down Mark Andrews? Not often, right? When Mark Andrews
1: like Travis Kelsey, yes, you know he's the number one option. Yet he's still wide open exactly. most of the time. When
2: J.K. Dobbins and the Gus Bus are healthy, they get the ball to them on more than just handing the ball to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my point is, is if you're looking at Greg Roman, he right now it doesn't seem has a lot of leverage. It doesn't seem like he has a lot of options. Eric Bieniemy has Baltimore as an option staying in Kansas City as an option, coming to Washington as an option. Then he has maybe Arizona. We'll see. We'll see Houston. What ha- That's what Eric Banamy has. Greg Roman, it doesn't seem like, based on reports now, that he has many options. Maybe he did and we just didn't find out, kind of like what happened here. Apparently, because I asked... Apparently, they did reach out to Greg Roman a couple of weeks ago, and for whatever reason, he didn't decide to be ready to talk to anybody or talk to them until now. Remember when they went after Jim Caldwell? Well, Jim Caldwell just agreed to terms with the Carolina Panthers as a senior assistant coach. Now, that's not the offensive coordinator role. Senior assistant. Assistant coach. I assume assistant head coach, that type of thing. So that would be – would that technically be an on-field role? Yeah, I think so. I would assume It's so. just
1: a weird title. Yeah.
2: It's, I, I kind of think of it as the baseball equivalent of a bench coach, but maybe okay. I'm wrong.
1: Uh, that's fine. But, I just want to make but, sure. But
2: Jim Caldwell, like, he, he said, no, 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 I, I don't want to talk to you guys because I'm going for a head co-, I mean, which never even materialized, really. Uh, he had one interview. Yeah, one interview. Um, but didn't really come close mm-hmm. and now goes right to, doesn't come back. I mean, think about that, right? Now, maybe that's a slap in the face. Maybe that's not. Greg Roman wanted to maybe take a couple of weeks off for vacation. I don't know. Again, these coaches work 100 plus hours a week. Maybe he didn't want to go write an interview right away. Because he knows if he interviews right away, gets hired right away, what do you got to start doing? You got to work right mm. away, right? Maybe he wanted to take a vacation, hit the reset. Maybe he wasn't interested in Washington right away. Maybe he thought he could do better. Maybe he thought he could get the Arizona head coaching job. Maybe he thought he could get, you know, uh, the Indianapolis head. Who wouldn't, knows?
1: Wouldn't Greg Roman's philosophy, wouldn't that be attractive to you if you were Kyler Murray in, in a little, at least a little bit of a way? Because it makes you the feature player.
2: I mean, you would think. The quarterback, based on, a mobile based on quarterback, what he's done, mobile yes. quarterback
1: is the feature player in a Greg Roman offense. Every one of those guys uh, has been. Yeah, Smith and Kaepernick were. Yeah. Obviously, Lamar was. You would think. To me, that would be attractive if I'm Kyler Murray because yeah. it makes me the guy. Yeah. It makes me responsible, totally responsible for my, you know, and even though Kyler's already going to get paid. He doesn't right. have to worry about getting paid. He's got that. But it makes me the focal point yeah. of my existence. I sink or swim based on how I perform in a Greg Roman Yeah, offense.
2: but you know what? If he's listening to Hollywood Brown over there, Hollywood Brown did not leave on the best of terms with Greg Roman. So maybe he wouldn't want no, to it's buy true. into that. So, but, but, I mean, look, okay. And maybe maybe that, by the way, also hurt Greg Roman in terms of getting an opportunity in Arizona. I mm-hmm. don't know. I mean, they say Monty Austin for the new GM liked uh, Ganyan and I forget the other two coaches – uh, Kafka, Bre-
1: it was Ga- Kafka, Ganyon, right. and but oh Albert Breer boy. wrote
2: about it, and um, I, I remember seeing it yesterday. I um, know
1: Kafka, Gagnon, and somebody else. It was three candidates, and and again, I mean, if you're if you're Arizona at the at the eleventh hour, why wouldn't you interview Eric Bieniemy, who just carved up, you know, mm-hmm. Ganyon's defense? Yeah, I, I would at least have to have the conversation. He just carved him up. I mean. You know? and- it was part of the offensive staff that carved that guy's defense up, which had been great all season long.
2: There were three coaches. Gagnon was one of them that Monty Fort circled last summer through his agent that really intrigued him. Gagnon was one of them. I forget who the other two. I'm trying to find it. But the point of the matter is, you know, Greg Roman was not on that list and Eric the Enemy was not on that list. So, again, not everybody sees everything the same way. And I know that pisses a lot of people off. Sorry. That's just the way it is. Right? You Oh Lou Anna uh Rumo, the Cincinnati. There you go. D there you go. That was yeah. one. Uh and do you have the other one? Uh I can't remember. It was an offensive coach. Was well, it Kafka? It was
1: Kafka, but now so Kafka and According to and Ganyan. According to Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports and ESPN's Cardinal Reporter, John Weinfuss, uh, it appears as if they've narrowed their search to Ganyon and Anna Rumo. Okay. So that's, that's so, Eagles D so defense, defense, Bengals defensive coordinator. Interesting.
2: But Austin Ford coming from New England and then Tennessee, mm-hmm. there's a more defensive mentality there, mm-hmm. and he's worked with two defensive 100%. head coaches. So 100%. that kind of makes some sense right there.
1: Yeah, philosophically they would seem to be aligned right. in
2: that situation.
1: Right. 301-230-0980, touchdown at tennis next right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey
0: app.